Welcome to the College Scoops Podcast. I'm your host, Moira McCullough, and today we are talking with Wendy Andrine, a former high school college counselor, about her role and experience helping students navigate the college admissions process. Leadership can show up in a lot of different capacities, including part-time jobs. And so all of those factors are, again, they all just kind of merge together so that a student then does have a story to tell to the college or the university about who they are. This is the College Scoops Podcast, and I'm your host, Moira McCullough. We focus on everything college-related, from the admissions process to where to eat, stay, and explore on and around campuses. Our guests include founders, educators, authors, and experts in the college space. Join us as these experts share their knowledge, experiences, and lessons learned to help you have stress-free, informative, and tasty college journeys. Whether it's your first or last child going to college, or you're just interested in going to a college town for a game or meal, we've got you covered. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the College Scoops podcast to get the inside scoops on everything college-related, and leave us a review. Thanks to all of our sponsors, partners, and the entire College Scoops ambassador team for helping us bring valuable content to our community. If you would like to support College Scoops as a sponsor, please head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash college scoops and sign up as a sustaining listener, insider, or deluxe sponsor. We have exclusive benefits for our members, free eBooks, and even a College Scoops care package. Wendy Adrian resides in Houston, Texas, and is a former high school college counselor who led thousands of students through the college application process at a very competitive public high school. With over 40 years of professional experience, Wendy is currently a mentor with Spring Branch ISD's Collegiate Challenge Program and continues to work with high school and college students through a private practice as a senior certified Berkman Method Assessments Facilitator, helping students learn more about themselves and find direction for their majors and career paths. She earned her BBA, teacher certification, and PhD in educational administration from the University of Texas at Austin and her master's in education and counseling from Midwestern State University in Wichita Falls, Texas. Wendy published her first book in 2017, Three In Factors in College Admissions, which is a model designed specifically for students in grades eight through 12 to easily read, to navigate high school with intentionality and still love what they are doing. So they will be ready to showcase their accomplishments in the college application process. One, you were actually a high school college counselor for quite a long time. So Wendy, I would love you to share your experience as a high school college counselor and some of the challenges you faced and some of the students that you were working with faced also. Thank you. I was the grade level counselor at Memorial High School in Spring Branch Independent School District in Houston, Texas. I worked there for 13 years, both as grade level and then the college counselor. At that time, we were a grade level system, meaning we stayed with our class from freshman year through senior year. And that meant that I had 500 seniors that I was responsible for when it was time for the college application process. We need to let that sink in. You handled 500 students for the college counseling process. I was overwhelmed with one kid. I can't even imagine what you did as your job. Still is a very competitive public high school. And what that means is students are applying to anywhere from five to 15 colleges. And that means a lot of letters of recommendation. And I will say the process 
in one sense got easier when we moved from being really all paper to a lot of things being able to be sent digitally. However, it was still a massive process. And so challenge right there was keeping up with them. I always found that it was easier for me to stay at the school and work late. And the custodians would walk me out to my car at midnight. That was <laughs> when, they, when they finally said, we're going home, Miss Andrine. It's time for you to go home too. It was a challenge for the students because it is a very competitive public high school. The situation was we have students with A averages that were sitting at the top of the second quarter. And so when you start talking about rank, then it became very disconcerting, very tedious for a student to say they're in the second quarter when in fact they have an A average. So that was definitely a huge challenge. Once I transitioned from being the grade level counselor into the college counselor, then I wasn't responsible for as many students, but I was still working with all the grade levels. And there were times when I was writing letters of recommendation but then I was responsible for making sure that as the classes came into the high school, starting with freshman year, that we were constantly keeping them current with what the college's expectations were, how to be prepared academically, extracurricular activities. And living in Texas, we deal with the top 10% rule, mm -hmm. which affects state universities. And so that just means that students who graduate in the top 10% of their class are guaranteed admission into a university, but it doesn't necessarily mean they get admission into their major. And so our two flagship universities, the University of Texas at Austin and Texas A&M University, are the two universities that the students struggle with the most in terms of not only getting gaining admission, but getting the major that they want because they have so many majors that are impacted and that's business engineering, architecture, or the, and communications are the four primary ones. And now of course, the University of Texas at Austin, their entrance is top 6%. So all of those factors combine to make it, it, it is, it's very difficult for the students. They're already strong academically, but now they're fighting numbers. Absolutely, and as you said, it's not as if the grades, they have everything that they, they need, and then anyone mm -hmm. outside of the state probably would be able to possibly gain entrance, whereas theirs is just a numbers game. In terms of when you were helping these students, were there specific tools or resources that you liked sharing with families, with students that they would use to help them get to know a college or go through the college admissions <laughs> process a little bit with some guidance? One of the things I was most grateful for at our school is that the administration fully supported having the college admissions representatives come to our campus. And so every year we would have anywhere from 100 to 180 college reps schedule visits to our campus. And how that was set up was they were either in the library if it was going to be a larger group or sometimes there would be an empty classroom. The seniors had a process where they had to come in and go to the senior office and get a pass. Now they do it online, but they still had to make sure they weren't missing a test in a class in order to come visit with the rep. But scheduling that, and fortunately I did get some help later on with the scheduling, but that was part of my responsibility as the college counselor was to make sure all of those reps were scheduled. And I sat in on almost every single one of them because my belief was if they're taking the time um, yes, they appreciate when there's a PTA volunteer there to greet them and get them started, but they want to see a counselor. 
And so whenever the senior counselor was available, yes, that person would sit in too, but mainly it was, I would sit in and I wanted to sit in because I was learning what was current with the university, what the expectations were. And then I was listening to the students ask questions as well. And then we held evening parent meetings on top of that, because that was just what our community needed and expected. And so we would hold night sessions that would walk them through information about the college process. And we actually did it for every grade level. But starting in junior year, we would hold two main ones at night. And then we would have monthly meetings, we'll say like after school in the library. Even just from an organizational <laughs> standpoint, could be unwieldy. Just keeping everything aligned and making sure that you have everything set up to communicate properly in a timely fashion. When you look at students too, probably some of their pain points were, how do you get the information you need in the time frame you need it? Was visiting a big thing? Like when did typically did students visit colleges? And did you recommend that students should visit colleges? Absolutely. The junior year is when we, I mean, senior year is almost too late. I mean, it's not that they can't visit colleges and, and oftentimes they're visiting a college as a follow-up during senior year to make sure that, yes, this school that's on my list, I really want. But junior year is so critical. And our district also hosts a college fair. That's outstanding. And now it's been rough the last couple of years because they've done them virtually. We will actually have a college fair next Monday night in our district again in person. But we would have, you know, over 200 colleges that would come. And so I always told the sophomores, I encouraged the sophomores to go. And I said, this is your year to go and window shop. There's no stress. There's just go and see what it feels like to be at a college fair and walk around and pick up brochures. And you don't even have to talk to anybody, but I want you to get the feel of it. So we highly encourage the sophomores to attend. For the juniors, I just said it was critical. You have to attend because our college fairs are held in October in our school district. And that then gives you the rest of the year to spend more time investigating the school. And when they start having tours and information sessions, being able to schedule all of those. So junior year is critical for that. But they need to know something about the universities in order to get that list started. I think that's also whether you're going to a college fair or if you're driving around locally, just to go and see something when you're not on the hot seat, when you, it doesn't matter, really. You're just, right. like you said, going window shopping. It's yeah. not as if you need that particular school or you need those particular shoes. It's nice to go right. and try them on because it, you never know what you may like or what you may find that you don't like, which I think is even more valuable. You were a high school counselor and then you transitioned to your current role. Method. So I was still the college counselor at Memorial when I learned about the Berkman Method Assessment. And actually, this month is Berkman's 70th anniversary. So it's exciting to be talking to you in September about this assessment. It is primarily a corporate assessment in the sense that it had, that was what part of Dr. Berkman's vision was to see it used in corporations. And it, it's been translated into 23 languages. It is used internationally. I had the distinct honor to go to Saudi Arabia and help introduce Berkman to universities over in Saudi Arabia a few years ago. He also had a vision for universities because we have college students who are getting ready to transition into jobs. And so the ripple effect is just amazing. It works 
for individuals, corporations, academic institutions. I encountered it when my son was a student at the University of Texas at Austin and very, very intelligent young man, very right and left brained. And he was struggling with what major to zero in on. And finally, all I could ask him to do was please go talk to somebody in the career center. And he finally did. And they actually gave him the Berkman method assessment. I was thrilled. I knew of it, but I had not seen it used academically. He brought it home one weekend. He sat down. We, he laid it out. He walked me through his report. And so without me ever being trained in Berkman and seeing it for the first time in this capacity, I looked at my son and I just said, oh, my. I said, you're just not going to be a nine to five, sit behind a desk, you know, wear a suit to work kind of guy. And he goes, no. And that's what all these careers are going to make me do. <laughs> and that was epiphany for me was not only as a counselor, but as a parent, I was like, he needed data and it gave him the information he needed to affirm what he really already knew about himself. And I, so I've always told my clients, Berkman is more affirmation than revelation. The revelation comes when you get to see it in print and go, oh, that is me. And it's okay that it's me. And that became the focus of where one of my frustrations was I loved my job and I loved working with the students. But we know that they are very much on a hamster wheel of taking all these classes, involved in extracurricular activities, and we don't get a lot of time to just sit with them and say, who are you? And what do you like? And without worrying about what everybody else thinks they should like or thinks mm -hmm. they should do. That's where I became interested in Berkman and decided to get certified to use it. And when I left the counseling world in public school, I just continued to work with students independently. I actually do not take them through the college application process. I know lots of wonderful independent consultants that I am always happy to share contact information. I want the students to know who they are and know more about themselves so that they can make the decisions they need to make about selecting a major or a career path. And what I appreciate about Berkman is it is an empirical assessment. It meets all the criteria for statistical validity and reliability. And that is important to me. And there are lots of wonderful assessments out there that are engaging and entertaining, but they are not empirical. And so I started with that, knowing that I had that data behind it. And it is a positive psychology assessment, the 45-minute online questionnaire. And there is no stress here because it's not a test. There's no wrong or right answer. It's just be honest when you're answering the questions about yourself. So can you take us through like a question it might ask that's on the list? I think you said it's 45-minute online, but I think, was it over 200 questions? Around 250 true-false questions. And okay. then there are 48 questions that are asking you to rank order a set of jobs or just very generic jobs. But the difference is those true false questions are focusing on personality and behavior. And the 48 questions are focusing on, that's where our interest report comes from. So there are three primary reports that emerge out of this questionnaire. One is the interest report, which helps a student know what they like to do the most and down to the least. Then there's the behaviors or the personality components. And another thing that makes Berkman very unique is that all personality assessments are designed to measure our strengths. We oftentimes hear the word strengths or our usual behavior. 
In other words, it's how do we show up when things are going well? How would our friends and family describe us? But what sets Berkman apart is this second personality or behavior construct, and that's the need for. And Dr. Berkman to date is still the only person who has figured out how do we separate usual behavior from need behavior. And he passed away a few years ago, but he would tell you that the needs are really the most important because our usual behavior, we can adapt it when we need to, but our needs are what we are really just wired to need. And sometimes they look like our usual behavior and sometimes they don't. So a really easy example to share would be one of the personality or behavior components for us is called social energy. And it's just what it sounds like. It's how much do you enjoy engaging with people, being out there in the world, looking a little more extroverted. And so oftentimes people will have a high social energy usual score, meaning they're fine. They can go into a group and chat and be conversational and they enjoy it. But their need score might be at the other end of the spectrum. And then they don't understand why they're suddenly tired and they really do want to go home or while the rest of the group wants to, you know, go from the movie to go to get something to eat, they're ready to go home. And that's where the need behaviors become so critical. So when somebody can look at their need behavior and see that there's nothing wrong with them, it just says, okay, I don't need all that extra time with people. So that's one of the behaviors. I just was away for a week and a half traveling to see my kids at different schools and I remember I was in sales for many years mm. and I came away from that week and a half away saying, I don't like being away from home that much. I like coming home to my house. And so in terms of you may have certain interest, but then the need will take over and be more important in the decision making factor when you're looking at potentially a career. They dovetail beautifully. So Berkman identifies 10 areas of interest on the report. And everybody has the same 10 interests, but the order that they're in and the numerical value assigned to them are based totally on how each person answers the questionnaire. So the scale is from one to 99, and there is no failing score. If somebody has a low interest score, it doesn't mean they aren't skilled or qualified to do that interest. It just says, based on how you answered the questions, the interests that have the higher scores, that's where you get your energy, kind of your happy place. And if you're having to do too much work in the lower interest areas, that's what can drain your energy. And so that's why Berkman is so valuable in corporations when they're trying to work on team development or see if somebody's in the right department or if their job description is fulfilling the right need. And for students, we're looking at it from, if these are your interests, and remember, Berkman is more of a career focus. Yes, it can be recreational, but it is truly more about what kind of careers are going to meet your highest scores. So, for example, on a scale of 99, social service is one of the interests. Well, my score is a 98. As Dr. Berkman would say, that's just no longer an interest. That is now a real need. I need to be working with people. So being a teacher, being a counselor, working in some kind of, you know, human resource in the corporate zone, I need to be helping others. And if I'm not, I feel it. If I don't feel like I've had enough contact with others. You could say, I want to be in the medical field. I want to be a doctor. But you could find out that I don't really want to be in school for seven more years. I'm not really good at organic chem. 
but there are other opportunities and careers within the medical field that you are still helping others and providing a service. There is a scientific area of interest and there's an administrative side. So sometimes what we see is people, like, as you mentioned in the medical, somebody might want to work in hospital administration and mm -hmm. because they appreciate that industry, but they bring to it more of a business side. And that's what's so nice about it because when we see these 10 areas of interest, Berkman always says, we look at scores that are 70 and above, and those tend to be the highest areas of interest. And then we look for anything that's 90 and above, because again, that just really magnifies what we love to do. And the other side of that is, and I always remind students and adults as well, there's nothing wrong with having a low score. So my family is always dragged into this. So for example, my husband has a lower social service score. I mean, it's like a single digit, okay? But he was one of our son's scout leaders all through school. But his highest interests are all of the scientific, the technical, the outdoor. And so he was the leader who was teaching the scouts, this is how you set up a tent. This is how you find the right place to set the tent up so the rain won't come in. This is how you use a telescope. So what Berkman shares is it's like, there's nothing wrong with having a low area of interest, but we take those and say, well, how can I incorporate my highest areas of interest so that I can then do what I love to do and still help others. And so then when you talk about from a students, I can see so much the value of going through that assessment as a fact finding kind of self-reflection so that when you go into college, you might steer, be steered to certain majors, certain courses. And I would even say, even if it's not your major or minor, but there may be other creative areas that you may think I'd like to take the time to be curious about that particular industry or topic. When you talk about careers and companies using it, where else would you find that assessment being given to companies, individuals at companies? Well, in companies, it, there, there's also an additional library of reports. And so, so when we talk about, for example, the transition from college to industry, there's a set of reports on how you best interview or how you approach your job search. When I'm working with a college student, I pull those reports because they're based on their Berkman personality scores and their interest scores. And, and it's how do you best approach the situation? Because some people are more extroverted, some are more introverted. And so we can use the reports to help them transition. We can also, we talk about culture and fit, and that has become so important. I mean, it's, I think because of COVID, we've paid more attention to the emotional intelligence and the cultural fit and how people are getting along with one another. And under the Berkman personality components, I mentioned they have the usual score and the need score. There's also a stress score. And so Berkman uses all three. And Berkman just wants people to understand the potential for stress and say, well, if I'm feeling stressed, how can I best manage it by understanding my personality style? So we see that in corporations, oftentimes they will use it uh, for conflict resolution. If you've got a team that's not working well together, or if there's an employee and a manager who are struggling to get along, it's like, what can we do to see where that conflict is coming from? Companies use it for succession planning as people are beginning to transition in and out of jobs, team development. And really primarily Dr. Berkman's biggest goal was open communication. If we can speak to each other in ways that we can share who we are and we don't have to offend others in order to share where our concerns are, or how our problems are, how do we approach it? 
And if you've got a team that has taken Berkman, then they actually speak Berkman language to each other. And it's amazing how you can talk about sensitive topics without hurting feelings when you have this additional Berkman language to work with. When you're working with students, what is the typical time frame that you would say this is a wonderful opportunity to take this assessment? Berkman would suggest that it's perfectly acceptable to take it at the age of 16. If it's a very mature student and the parent and the student want to do it, freshman year, fine. I actually prefer sophomore year. I think that they've had a year of high school, so they've made that transition from middle school to high school. They have a feel for their environment. They've had some high school classes. If they're taking it during their sophomore year, then they, I always say you actually have two summers then to continue to build on what you have discovered from your Berkman report. And whether that means you might want to take some additional or find some summer activities or volunteer service, something that relates to what you think you might be selecting as a major, you just have more time to work with the results. But sophomore year, definitely junior year, I give it to seniors all the time. I just feel like they're more rushed because now it's like I am filling out college applications right now. So sophomore to junior year, excellent time to take it. And then they answer that questionnaire online. And because it's not an aptitude test, it doesn't have to be monitored. And so there are really three components to what Berkman brings to the table. And that's obviously the interest, what they like to do, the personality, how they're going to show up, and then the career report. And another unique thing about the Berkman assessment is that most career assessments are based on strictly the interest, what you said you like to do when you answer the series of questions. But the Berkman method algorithm actually combines not only your interest, but your personality scores. Because then what they say is they're not going to pigeonhole you and say you need to be a tree surgeon. They're going to say, here are 18 job families, and they are rank from longest to shortest. And it just says the longer the bar, the more you look like other people in these job areas. And so that's why when I look at a career report, I don't look at the categories in isolation. So for example, if protective service is one of the long bars and business and finance is another long bar and computer and mathematical science is another long bar. I don't talk about those independently. I mean, I go over them what they are. But now we can talk about, you know, they don't say, well, I don't see myself as a police officer or a fireman. But now it's like, but I do enjoy computers. So maybe you want to do something in computer science that takes you into cybersecurity. Or maybe you want a degree in business in accounting and work for the FBI. So that's where my strength and my expertise comes into play is that I'm there to help them see so many possibilities of well, what does a business major look like or what does a science major look like and, and what kind of industries overlap? I also think another result of that assessment and the conversation that happens after that assessment is almost maybe to your understanding of how you learn. For instance, I did not like history when I was growing up. I love to travel and I love to meet people. Once I made that mental like switch, and I mm -hmm. thought, well, but that's history. I mean, you're learning about different cultures, about different geographies, all different aspects, the food, people. I looked at history in a different way. I wish I could go back and kind of take that history. As Do you see that happening where students are like, well, my strengths, my interests actually would lead me to think that I'm a 
better math student or better student in these particular disciplines? I have a beautiful example to share because one of the aha moments that happens in a Berkman review, and, and for a teenager, I always require that at least one adult sits in on it because they need to hear it at the same time. And oftentimes I get expressions from the parents from behind the student, like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that about my child. So this is a common one right now because we want to see women in STEM, and that's great. And we have a lot of young women who are great in math and science. And I remember working with one student and she's outstanding in math and science. And so in her brain, it was like, well, I probably should pursue something. So through her Berkman, it did show up in something in the sciences, more towards the social sciences and the biology, all could have been a great fit. But one of her highest interests is also literary. And she was in journalism as an extracurricular in high school. But she gets to college and she, this is the same thing. It's like, well, I should pick a STEM major because I'm good in math and science. That's not really where her heart is. And so I get a frantic phone call about six weeks into freshman year, uh, the student is at her university, and I get a call from the parent just before Zoom. We have a three-way conference call going, and, and I emailed her Berkman report to her just so she'd have it right in front of her and send it to her parents again. And she's just telling me, she said, I walk into that biology class every day. And she said, it's not that I can't do it. It's like, I just don't like it. I mean, I just, I just, I just come out of there and I'm sad. <laughs> so I said, so tell me what else you're doing at school. Tell me some of your other classes. And so she begins to share that I've joined the student magazine and I write articles for that. And everything she said was all her literary coming out, all her passion for writing. And, and I said, I said, okay, without me telling you anything, what did you just hear yourself say? And she's like, I need to go back to what I really want, and that's to be a journalism major. <laughs> and her parents are on the other end of the phone going, yes, it's okay. But see, she felt guilty because she is good in math and science, but she wasn't finding what she loved in math and science. And I said, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't still minor in math or science and you still use that. Maybe you're going to be the person who writes for science journals. That was what was going on in yes. my head. She's somebody who actually understands and would be the journalist that they would send yes. in because she understands it all and she could effectively articulate that in a way that everyone else could understand it. So Absolutely. it's a great way because writing, not only did she love it, it's probably easier, but she can understand the subject and right. describe that to the people like us who have no interest and in, no ability to <laughs> no ability to, to do that. <laughs> no no desire and ability to go in and understand organic chem. One other quick thing I'd love to ask when you talked about and thank you for sending a book. You wrote a mm -hmm. book, The Three In Factors in College Admissions <laughs> and Interest and Involvement, which kind of factors in with the whole Berkman it method. Does. So influencer, can you share a little bit about what that is? It's such a young term. This book was published in 2017, and it was not when the word influencer was such a big deal. So I do make it a point in the book. I do explain that influencer is also about leadership. And so it is very important that, but sometimes, you know, just how do you influence others becomes a leadership quality. And the interest I know we've, we've talked a lot about and the involvement is to get students to find two or three things that they really love. Because colleges aren't looking for a laundry list of 10 or 20 activities on your application. They don't want to see superficial involvement. They want to see deep involvement. So I said, it's freshman year, even part of sophomore year. Yes, you're finding your way. You're finding what you love to do. 
but where you can zero in on something like, so if journalism is your thing and then take the journalism class, be on the newspaper, be in your book and show that depth because there's a phrase under the involvement chapter that I introduce people to and it's called intellectual pursuit or intellectual curiosity. So these students have to start writing these essays. That's part of what the college is looking for is where did you dig deeper? Where did you go beyond what you learned in the classroom just because you had to have it for the grade? You were so fascinated by a subject or a category that you went out on your own and learned more about it. And then that leads into the influencer part because that's generally where a student's going to begin to find their leadership. And leadership, I have to be very careful because some students feel like, well, if I'm not president of the organization or captain of the team, I don't really have leadership. And leadership can be one-on-one -on -one mentoring. Leadership can be helping at home. We know we saw it during COVID. I had to really kind of get students to reframe what leadership was during COVID because in many cases, they were helping younger siblings figure out how to go to school online and helping their parents with how to Zoom. <laughs> leadership can show up in a lot of different capacities, including part-time jobs. And so all of those factors are, again, they all just kind of merge together so that a student then does have a story to tell to the college or the university about who they are. And oftentimes, that's a common essay question. Where do you see yourself developing either Tell us about your leadership or where do you see yourself getting more involved on our campus? Why do you want to be on our campus? The showing up and right. the passive participant versus getting engaged and involved in what you really love. College is about the community and what you bring to that community and how you will make it not better, but how you will interact with it and grow with it and make it a better community right. as whole. Right. What is your contribution? Because I re always remember Many years ago, uh, a Harvard admissions rep made the comment, you know, if we threw out the entire class that we just admitted and reviewed the remaining applications, we could have just as strong a class. That's just how excellent all of these students are. It is a question I always tell students, it's okay to be well-rounded, but everybody still needs some kind of an edge. And whatever your edge is, just want to make sure that the colleges see it and feel it. And it is about having an authentic story and being able to share your story. And you can be authentic, as you said, when you've actually experienced some of these activities and this engagement where I went after intellectual pursuit because I was so interested in astronomy that I ended up joining the local astronomy association and learned about telescopes on my own outside of school. You can succeed in the classroom. College is not all about that. You can get in and you can celebrate your accomplishment of getting into that particular school, but if that's not the right fit for you to thrive outside of the classroom, then it's a lost opportunity as well. So, Well, and that's one of the reasons why when I discovered College Scoops and, and I discovered the guides, because one of the things I have always shared with students through the years as they begin their college search is I said, you have to remember that wherever you end up going to college, that is going to be your home for four years. And I want you to like where you wake up in the morning. And that is, yes, it's the academics, but it is also the culture and the feel of the campus and including the geography, you know, whether you want the city or the suburban or the north or the south and the temperature, all of that is a factor. Your students are telling the other students, this is what it's really going to be like when you're on this campus. And that is so much above and beyond the traditional, you know, admissions stories that are out there. And, and those students do a great job. 
But I love it that your students are like, well, this is really what it's like. And here's where you go when you want to do something. And I appreciate that about what your site does. Well, thank you. Because as you can tell, I have no voice. I've been out on the road yes. recruiting <laughs> students. And that's what we love to do. Thank you for that. And I'm so glad that it's a value and a great resource for so many people. Wendy, we always love to ask our guests, what do you wish you knew before you attended college? I guess when I look back on it, I wish I had had a Berkman because I think somewhere intuitively, I kind of knew what I liked, but I, I didn't really discover my passion. I have a business degree. My undergraduate degree is in business. And I thought I was going to be an accounting major because I took accounting as an elective and I liked it. But somewhere in the mix of that third semester of accounting, I was like, you know, this is nice, but this isn't really me. And once I understood that I needed something that was related more to people, I was able to talk to my advisor and switch my major. I switched into management, but I also switched it into, I got the business education part and the teaching certification. So I started off then as a business teacher. And I think maybe the only other thing I might have done if I had had a better sense of what I'd known about it would be, I might've become a communications major. But either way, I still knew long before I knew I had a 98 social service score, I needed to be with people and more than I needed to be working with the numbers all day. It's so refreshing to hear because I think that's a normal process that people go through where all of a sudden they're like, even though I'm really good at it, right. it doesn't translate to the fact that that's what I would want to do every single day of my life because that need, that's yes. where your need is more important in the end in terms of what you want to do going forward. We are foodies here at College Scoops. Is there any particular food on a college campus that you would make a special trip to go back for? If it's okay, I'm going to share two because one is from a very small college that is a hidden gem that I think the world overlooks and that's Centenary College in Shreveport, Louisiana, because the whole state of Louisiana always looks to LSU for everything. And I love LSU, so nothing against LSU. But in Shreveport is this wonderful place called Happy Belly's Italian Ice Factory. And it has the most delicious ices. My favorite was the cherry lemonade, but they also have custard. So like they've got a delicious chocolate custard. So that one I want people to know about. But the other one that my daughter introduced us to when she was in graduate school at Virginia Commonwealth University Brand Center in Richmond, Virginia, is the Red Eye Cookie Company. I think it's on Grace Street, if I remember. But what was really cool about them is that they deliver, <laughs> they would deliver cookies late at night, cookies and milk you could get delivered to you. <laughs> so, so for all those students in Richmond, Virginia <laughs> that need a late night cookie fix. Okay, my son is in a complaint because he just graduated there last year and he's going to say, oh. Mom, why didn't you know about Red Eye Cooking <laughs> Company? <laughs> I may have to edit this. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> Wendy, thank you so much for joining us today and providing all the helpful resources and educating us on the Berkman Method and all the great work that you do. Well, thank you. I enjoy it and I appreciate everything that College Scoops is doing to help families everywhere. Thank you, Wendy, for joining us today to share tips on how high school students can connect with their high school college counselors. There are a host of resources available for students, and timing is important in junior and senior year. Utilize the resources and events your college counseling departments offer. We also introduce the Berkman Method, an empirical assessment students can use to help identify their areas of interest, potential majors, and careers. 
Wendy recommends taking this assessment during your sophomore year in high school. You can find all of our show notes and links to the helpful resources mentioned throughout our conversation on our website at collegescoops.com slash podcast. You can learn more about Wendy at Colleges, Careers, and Callings on her Facebook page or LinkedIn. Please take a couple minutes to rate, review, and subscribe to College Scoops. Thank you for listening to our College Scoops podcast. Our entire College Scoops team strives to make the college journey a little bit easier, less stressful, fun, and tasty by sharing all the inside scoops we have curated along the way. We would love to hear from you about topics to cover and your ideas on everything college related. Reach out to us at collegescoops.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.